Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. Last month, the National School Boards Association threw a grenade into debate sounding local school policy by sending a letter to the Biden administration asking for federal investigation of behavior at school board meetings, even suggesting that the Justice Department invoke the Patriot Act anti-terrorism law. Outrage descended from numerous quarters after the Biden Justice Department issued its own directive to convene FBI meetings on the matter. Parents, politicians, political activists, school officials, and even state-level school boards groups denounced NSBA's actions, with some state associations even disaffiliating from the national group, perhaps most prominent being Ohio. Joining me to discuss the Ohio School Boards Association's decision to disaffiliate from the National School Boards Association is Sarah Clark. OSBA's chief legal counsel. Uh, hi, Sarah. So for some background, tell us, how is OSBA structured? What is your organization's role in advocating for school boards? And who uh, makes policy-making decisions in the organization? Oh, sure. Um, first, thank you so much for having me today. Um, the Ohio School Boards Association is a professional organization that works with public school board members um, and the districts that they serve. So OSBA is actually composed of uh, 711 school boards across the state. And so as a result, there's more than about uh, 3,500 elected board members who um, are members of our organization and the management teams of uh, school boards. So the superintendent, the treasurer, principals, um, they also have access to OSBA services. Um, and, and our role is really to help school board members do their jobs more effectively. So we help them prepare for their roles and their responsibilities. So this, is, this is sort of the, the briefing responsibilities because school board members, uh, I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, tend to be part time, you know, they're not professional full time positions. So, you know, you're not going to have like a congressional staff as a school board member. So oh, right. they're going to rely on groups like OSBA to provide some of that professional briefing services that you would otherwise get from a congressional or state legislative or city council staff. Exactly right. Yeah. So so really trying to help them do, do um, you know, uh, have training opportunities. Uh, we offer consulting services, exactly what you're saying, providing those comprehensive sort of informational resources um, that are designed to help them become better board members and, and aware board members. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, like I said, takes a lot of different levels of assistance and, and roles. Um, but that group, uh, so our group is governed by a, a board of trustees, um, which is made up of school board members. And then the policies of the organization are the, are are, the trust. Uh, one, one quick question. Yeah. Uh, the, are the trustees elected by the, by all the, like the school board, like there are so many trustees, but you said there are like 35,000 school board members. Like, do they all have right. a vote to decide who the trustees are? Correct. So we have a, um, a delegate assembly. Um, the trustees actually come in uh, through our regions. And so some of those are regional appointments. Um, some of those trustees are our officers. Um, so they kind of, each trustee kind of comes in uh, and is elected or appointed um, in a different way, sort of depending on what seat they're, they're taking mm -hmm. on our board of trustees. So, there's, so it's, it's basically like a constitution and there's like constituencies and different rules. Exactly for different right. Play. Okay. You got it. Um, and then, and then we have a, a delegate assembly, um, which is our um, sort of policymaking body. And every school board has a vote, a vote and a voice in the delegate assembly. So each school district selects a delegate to represent them at our annual meeting. 
Um, and that delegate assembly determines the association's positions on educational issues. So mm -hmm. any resolution that's approved at our annual meeting um, then becomes association policy and sort of it dictates what OSBA advocates for in the courts and legislatively. Mm -hmm. So then I guess let's turn to the matter of the hour, which is this National School Boards Association letter. Right. Um, before the letter was issued and then OSBA, is, is disaffiliate the correct term to describe the change in relationship? Yeah, I think so. We, 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 we yes, that's a good word. Okay. Uh, so before the decision to disaffiliate, uh, how, what was the relationship between OSBA and NSBA? Sure. So the National School Boards Association's membership is comprised of state school boards associations across the country. And so OSBA was a member of NSBA. And, and you know, as part of that membership, we had access to a number of services that they offered. And, and we had staff members every year who attended their annual conferences. Um, we participated in, you know, work-alike groups that allowed us to work with our counterparts at other state associations. And we used uh, some of their resources and services to add to the services that we offer as a state association to our members. And so it, it was a, it was a resource. And for many years, um, we, you know, they've provided valuable mm -hmm. resources to OSBA. And so then this letter drops. Uh, what, how was that letter, how do, how was the decision made to, to make that request of the Biden administration? And then what did, I guess, what did the leadership of NSBA do wrong as far as consulting the state associations? Yeah, I, I think that that is the piece that has frustrated so many state school boards association is that, you know, there wasn't, um, the letter sort of claimed to have been sent on behalf of all these state school boards associations and school board members across the nation, but that wasn't the case, um, you know, as our association, we weren't informed of or we weren't asked for any input into the creation of this letter that was sent to the president. Um, and and so it, I guess we found out at the same time that everybody else found out, which was when it when it was sent. Mm. Um, and so I guess talk me through how a normal, if the NSBA was going to, under normal circumstances, send as sort of the voice of school officials as a body, you know, to request something of like the Department of Education or of the federal government, you know, would there, would there under normal circumstances be a consultation? Is there like a, de a delegate? I, I, I know you said for OSBA, there's the delegate assembly. Like, is there a constitutional process for deciding these policies? Approaches. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. They they certainly have their own um, you know processes in place for sort of d developing the positions that they're going to take as an association, and one of that could include, or one of those sort of pieces and processes would certainly be um, hearing from their delegates. I think on this type of issue, though, it would not be sort of outside of the scope of of things that they had done in the past to reach out to the executive directors to sort of get who are their members again, mm -hmm. who are you know, the, the groups that they are working most closely with and providing services to, uh, to ask for that input, um, you know, especially, offer especially on something and something that was going to, in all certainty, become a major public relations and political issue. The fact that they didn't, like you guys weren't consulted at all. 
Is, correct. Is correct. Especially, yeah, exactly. And especially since that letter was claimed to have been on behalf of state associations, um, some input from the state associations w was, I think, appropriate. Mm -hmm. So is, is this sort of the first, you know, problem that, that has arisen with the national leadership? Or was this just kind of a, was this like a continuation of, or uh, a sort of straw that broke the camel's back situation? Yeah, I think, so they, the National School Boards Association has undergone um, some changes in leadership over the past year. Um, they've had, uh, you know, so there are a governance review a committee that's been in place that has offered some recommendations and has offered some um, suggestions for things that they could change as far as their own governance and sort of the internal, like I said, internal processes and, and procedures that they have in place. Um, so there have been some conversations, um, you know, earlier this year um, and, and earlier than that about sort of monitoring and, and looking at those leadership and um, uh, internal processes some. Um, but certainly to the level of this, uh, this was sort of a game changer um, uh, for us. And, and as you say, maybe the straw that broke the camel's back or sort of the, the thing that so, so required there, so us there to was, take some action. So there, was, so there were issues with governance that maybe you guys and some of the other states that have uh, either withheld dues or disaffiliated with NSBA, you know, thought were at least under being under resolution and then this letter comes like a bolt out of the blue and that trigger that and that triggers more drastic action is that basically what's going on correct cool uh, so both before and after the, the the DOJ letter comes out what were your members telling you about and about NSBA leadership was this a i guess what was this a decision by the state association to disaffiliate or was this the members said, we have to do this. Yeah, I think, so we, we definitely heard from members, um, I guess before this, we, we had members who appreciated some of the programs and the services that NSBA offered. Um, you know, we, I mentioned OSBA has attended those national conferences. We've had members who have attended some of those national conferences and, and taken advantage of some of those national networking opportunities. But we heard from a number of members and a number of people in our communities who and no voiced strong disagreement with the statements that were issued in the letter um, and who, you know, agreed that it, it went too far. Um, there were a lot of concerns about, you know, the claims, as you mentioned at the beginning of the of domestic terrorism and hate crimes, and also a lot of disagreement with their, their request to request or their decision to request um, federal intervention. Um, and so, you know, we heard that from our I mean, membership. Because, I mean, you know, if you, if, a lot of people have read that have read the letter that the National School Boards Association put out and said that even if the con, you know, there are a couple examples of conduct that would potentially be either warranting expulsion from a meet from a public meeting or potentially criminal charges, but none of them rose obviously rose to the level of a federal offense. Right, I think, and that's you know, our districts are dealing with threats um, and, you know, those threats of violence, that abuse and the harassment, it's unacceptable. But really dealing with that interference is, is something that should be dealt with at the local level and not by federal officials. Right. Lo local, lo I mean, these are, the, you know, these are local and state law enforcement questions, not federal 
or at least not, they have not been proven in any way to be federal issues. Right. And that, and that local law enforcement is really the, the, in the best position to determine, um, you know, how to handle those situations and what assistance is needed. Right. Um, so then, uh, my understanding is that Ohio is not alone in taking action in response to this letter among state school boards associations. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, there are other state associations who I think had similar responses. Uh, and then I guess, is there anything else our listeners should know about how state school boards associations work and how they relate uh, to the National Association and how their the associations relate to their local school boards? Um. I don't, I don't think so. I think you ask good questions that sort of purse that out. So I don't know that I have anything else to add to that. All right. Well, let me once again uh, thank Sarah Clark of the Ohio School Boards Association for joining us. Uh, that's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.